Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to this edition of Trauma-Informed Parenting. This week, I am going to be talking about attachment styles in children. And last week, I said, you know, I started talking about attachment in general, the basics of attachment, and how the attachment cycle worked, and how we can repair three, I I shared three tips, how we can repair breaks in attachment. And I also explained why I was talking about attachment at this time of year. And I want to just reiterate why I'm doing that because during the holiday season, we are triggered more. Our children are triggered more. In fact, I was just talking to one of my daughters through FaceTime and after she got home from Thanksgiving dinner, she just said, you know, the next day was just, the kids were just a mess because, and these were neurotypical kids but it's just the whole idea that your schedule's changed all of a sudden you are going to somebody else's house and there are relatives there who want to talk to you and ask you questions or you know all of those things that can trigger us are compounded over the holidays because we do more of these things which is is great in one way because we want to celebrate, we want to see our family, but at the same time, especially if we are dealing with the death of a loved one at the holidays or maybe your kiddos who you brought home through adoption are dealing with that separation that maybe happened during the holidays, there's all kinds of things that you can just fill in the blank with. Or maybe your child has a capital letter syndrome and they go into sensory overload because they're in a crowded house with a lot of people and too much noise, too much stimulation, too many questions. So that is why I want to talk about attachment during this season. And what I'm sharing with you today is in a chapter in my book, How to Have Peace When Your Kids Are in Chaos. So there's a lot of information I'm going to be throwing at you today. 
It's not the typical kind of joking around kind of thing that I normally do, which I will probably slip up on some words and you can laugh at me. But I think this is a very serious subject to cover at this time of year, but I think it's really the right time to cover it. I'm going to start with a quote. A scar is evidence of a wound, but also evidence that we can heal. Scott McClellan. So I have parents reach out to me and say, I didn't think it would be this hard. My child's behaviors are out of control. He got kicked off the school bus again. He keeps punching kids in line. The whole house is like a war zone. I thought I could do this, but I don't know if I can. It's just too hard. I've heard these statements along with pleas from for help from countless parents. I've even offered to come into the home and do some observation as well as get some parenting tools that work into the hands of parents. And here's the thing. It seems as if every time the parent says, oh, I don't know, he or she is manipulative as if the child is going to pull the wool over my eyes as he may do with other professionals and teachers or as if their situation is so unique and so individual that I won't be able to grasp it. It is in this pit of aloneness that Satan likes to keep us. No one else struggles like you. Nobody understands. And so we parents may feel if we've slipped into an Alfred Hitchcock movie and we are captives who will never escape. And the one who is to be banished to the pit at the end of the age, that's Satan, tries to keep us isolated. So if that's you and you heard some of those statements like, no, you really wouldn't understand, Kathleen. You just don't know how bad it is or you don't know how my child is behaving at school or interacting with other kids or not able to interact with other kids. You just don't understand. Well, Don't let the enemy lie to you that you are the only one because you are not the only one. And I may not have experienced the exact same circumstances that you're going through, but I have experienced circumstances like yours. Fortunately, that pit is not where we belong, nor do we need to stay there any longer. There is hope. Isaiah says that God's people perish for lack of knowledge. To move forward with our kiddos, we must first have knowledge. So in adoption or foster circles, we often hear the phrase, children from hard places. And that's not a geographical location. And I would also add to that capital letter syndrome kids. But as the authors of The Connected Child explain, six primary risk factors characterize children from hard places. So I've talked about them on the podcast before, here and there, but I'm just going to give you a quick refresher. Here are the six. Number one, prenatal stress and harm. Number two, a difficult labor or birth. Number three, early medical trauma. Number four, trauma. Number five, neglect. Number six, abuse. So take a minute and think about your children. Did they have one or more of those six risk factors 
And if they did, then they're considered a child with a trauma history or a child from hard places. And that is why it is so important for us to learn the science. And I say all the time, and I will keep repeating, the science alone is not going to save you, but it is also important to know it. So I'm going to go a little biblical on you here for a few minutes and share with you God's example for attachment that we can follow. If you think about it, all of creation has been in survival mode since the fall, trying to meet our own needs, creating our own gods, always chased by a fear of lack. Yet if we examine God's relationship with us, it always begins with, I am. I am whatever you need, wherever you are, whatever you are going through. I am. I'm there. I'm with you. I understand. God doesn't begin his relationship with rules and regulations, but with his presence. Relationship must precede rules and boundaries. We don't send a newborn to bed without his supper because he cries. We don't correct a new convert in the church when he lets out a string of expletives right after a worship service, or we shouldn't, at least. By the same token, we shouldn't punish a child for being unable to self-regulate because he experienced early trauma. See, I told you I'd make some word mistakes. I guess one of the reasons why I am tripping up on my words today, which I always say, I always do that, but I just, I get so passionate about this topic and all of the topics that I talk about. Like my brain is thinking faster than my words can come out of my mouth. And that last statement, I'm going to read it again because I think we do that all the time. We shouldn't punish a child for being unable to self-regulate because he has experienced early trauma or any trauma or has a capital letter syndrome, which is a trauma. I have a whole article on my website about that. And this morning I was talking to a good friend of mine. She's such a good friend of mine that um, I have kind of a little text chat with my daughters and she's part of that. But she was sharing something that somebody had posted about You know, I'm of the, I wish I should have had it up so I could read it, but it was pretty much like I'm of the old school that my grandma taught me that children shouldn't be bouncing balls in the house on the holidays. They shouldn't interrupt adult conversation. They shouldn't be, and like all these shouldn't, 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 all these rules. And I was thinking, so I did tell my friend, like, I think that we should be Glad that we are parenting our children the way that we needed or wanted to be parented. Why should we think that our kiddos need to suffer through the holidays for other people's expectations, their rules, their regulations? Now, I am not saying you need to let your children run wild and break the fancy dishes in your aunt's or grandma's house, but I am saying... If they cannot self-regulate, then we need to co-regulate, which means we need to provide some way for them to be able to regulate in stressful situations, whether that means you have an extra room for them to go to and you ask, hey, can we use this bedroom? 
or that you have noise-reducing headphones for your child, or you bring some games that you can play with them or books that you can read and get away from those people. Go outside. One of the things we did on Thanksgiving, it was um, after dinner, and we'd pretty much cleaned up everything, and the kids were playing with train tracks and Play-Doh and all kinds of things, and then they started playing hide-and-seek in the house. Like, let's just, it was in the 50s, let's just go outside. And we went outside, and we just let the kids run on the golf course behind our house, run up and down the hills, and they needed that. They needed that. They were being overstimulated. They needed someone to help them co-regulate. They needed to go outside and move and wiggle their bodies after all of that rich food, which some of them ate some of. But we need to change our expectations. Okay, moving on. We are born wired for attachment. As the authors of Wounded Children Healing Homes explains, eye-to-eye contact is a critical link that sets the brain towards balanced regulation. The mutual gaze leads to emotional attunement, a deeply satisfying experience of feeling harmonious, oneness, and completeness, not unlike the peace experienced in the womb. Without the attentive, loving gaze and emotional responsiveness of the parent, The infant brain struggles on its own to develop and mature. So think about this with even older children. When you are in a strange environment, and I'm not saying that going to your mom's house is strange or your aunt's, but it is not something that you're doing on a daily basis and all the rules have changed. You're not just going there to play You're going there because there's going to be this dinner that people sit down at, or you're going to be opening presents in front of people, which a lot of kids struggle with. They don't want to be the center of attention. They don't want to open a present in front of someone. So to get that attunement in there, to get down on their level, to gaze into their eyes, to let them know you are there for them, and that you comfort them, and you remove them from the environment if you need to be. Listen, parents, be proactive. Take the power that you have been given as the parent and the authority, and you parent the way that works for your family and your children, no matter what your cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, etc. say. They will get over it. And if they don't, wouldn't you rather leave that house more attached to your child with your child feeling more secure, your child feeling as if you are on their side, then leaving that house, pleasing somebody else who doesn't really, it's not really going to affect their life after that day. And I will even add from, you know, a homeschooling mom's perspective, I used to have to protect my children from all the questions. Can you read for me? Do you know your times tables? Do you know your, do you know all the states? And I can remember it was one Thanksgiving at my house and my older brother was doing the drill, asking my kids questions. And all of a sudden, one of my question, one of my kids just went off with all the states and all the capitals, boom, 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 just because they 
that particular child wanted to. And my brother was like, oh my gosh, can you homeschool my children? <laughs> like, no, I can't. Sorry. Anyway, going off on a tangent there. So that emotional, harmonious oneness and completeness, we want our kids to have that peace even when they are in a situation that they don't feel completely comfortable, you can make them feel comfortable. So how did God attach to his first children? He provided for their physical needs first. God planted a garden and he set man over it. And here's the verse. And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, delight, and there he put the man whom he had formed, framed, constituted, and out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight or to be desired, good, suitable, pleasant for food, the tree of life also in the center of garden and the tree of the knowledge of the difference between good and evil and blessing and calamity. Genesis 2, 8 through 9, Amplified Bible. He also provided human companionship. God created Eve as a helpmeet for Adam, and the rib or part of his side which the Lord God had taken from the man he built up and made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Genesis 2, 22. He offered his presence and a relationship God came and walked and talked with them, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Genesis 3, 8a. This was the picture of perfect attachment, secure attachment. That is one of the attachment styles that I am talking about, secure attachment, and this is the one we're aiming for. So let's review here for a minute, because I think... This is my opinion. I think our culture has gotten stuck on number one, he provided for their physical needs, and then that's it. Especially traditional old school parenting. The one that the, the lady I mentioned earlier had tweeted or whatever on social media about kids should be seen and not heard kind of thinking like, they shouldn't interrupt adult conversation. They shouldn't this, like your physical needs are met, so you're good. How many of us are really good if only our physical needs are met? How many people suffer from loneliness, depression, isolation, anxiety? And I'm not saying that it's only because of attachment. Of course not. There are other medical and mental needs that People have, and some people need to be on medication for those. I completely understand it is in my family. Um, but what I am saying, though, is how many of us are okay with our lives if only our physical needs are met? So think about yourself there for a minute. If only your physical needs are met, are you okay? Now, switch that over to your children. Do you think that only meeting the physical needs of your children is enough? Of course you're going to say no. Of course you're going to say no. But our culture has slipped into that pattern of thinking 
They have everything they want. They have clothes to wear. They have food to eat. They have a bed to sleep in. They have all of these things. They should be okay. Why are they struggling? Well, because that is not all we need. We need companionship. And with that companionship comes with what I was talking about, that quote, the eye-to-eye contact is a critical link. Now, I know that some kiddos that are on the spectrum, they cannot do that eye-to-eye contact. I have that in my family. But you can do shoulder-to-shoulder, which means you're standing next to that child and you're letting them know, I am on your side. I'm here for you. I will help you regulate. And sometimes in stressful situations, just being beside your child, sitting next to them on the couch or standing next to them while someone is talking to them helps them regulate. So they need to have that companionship. And then presence in a relationship. We need to be fully present with our kids for attachment to work properly. Am I saying that we need to be fully present with them every single second? Obviously, we cannot be fully present with our child every single second. But the more that we invest, the more time that we invest, the more thoughtful we... When you're listening to this podcast and you begin to think, oh my goodness, how can I do this? Am I doing this at all on a daily basis? Can I do this more? Can I participate more? Can I be fully present more? Can I put my phone down and fully listen to what they're saying? When I'm preparing a snack, can I invite them to prepare it with me? Can I, like one of the things two of my granddaughters wanted to do the day after Thanksgiving was, can we help you do the dishes? And they wanted to do them by hand. They wanted to wipe the counters off. They wanted to wipe the table off and do the dishes by hand. And do you know what they wanted to do while they were doing that? They wanted to talk. And there is, that's the relationship, that's the presence, that's the connection. And so often we are so, we have all of these little servants. And by servants, I mean, we have our RoboVacs and we have our dishwashers and we have our washer and dryer and we have all of these appliances that do the work for us. When sometimes we just need to set those aside because they're taking our connection time away. We need to connect with our children by working alongside them and talking to them while we work about whatever they want to talk about. I think that is, that's one of the missing things in our culture where I've been saying, you know, going back to that number one, your physical needs are met. Your physical needs are met. We're running the dishwasher. Your clothes are in the washer. And I am not saying that we need to go back to the little house on the prairie day and build our little sod houses. But I am saying that if you have an opportunity to do those physical labor tasks and do not expect perfection, don't expect it to be perfect Don't expect them to do it perfectly and don't correct them while they're doing it. You know, if they ask for help, then you help them out. But even if you have to rinse the dishes later when they're not right there and you're teaching them by degrees how to do it, that's a whole other topic. 
but don't make it about the task. Make it about the relationship. I remember my my little my two youngest, one of their jobs when they were little was to sweep under the table. We have this huge farmhouse table. You know, when you have seven kids, you need a really big table. And they would just take this little broom and dustpan, just a little tiny thing, and it would take them like 20 minutes to do it. But the whole time, the whole time they were talking to me. And sometimes it was, oh my, look at this crumb, mom, or look at this, or oh my gosh, this is what we had for dinner last night. It's still here, or you know, whatever. But it was that connection, that relationship, that presence. So we need to be present in our relationship. So I am going to start on broken attachment in the fall, but I probably won't get all the way through. I will continue next week. Broken attachment in the fall. After the fall, Adam and Eve... They sinned, they listened to the serpent, and they, they ate from the tree at, that they were not supposed to, and Adam and Eve were banished from Eden, evicted from the only lifestyle they had ever known. Not only did they lose the presence of God, but they also lost their home and carried the shame of the fall. I'm sure, I mean, I can't even imagine how stressful that was. And then when Eve said, I have gotten and gained a man with the help of the Lord, Genesis 4, 1, she may have been in survival mode. How do you survive without the presence of God who walked and talked with you daily? How do you handle a life on earth without the preternatural gifts that you just had right, you know, a day before? How do you do that? So let's put ourselves in Eve's place, evicted, homeless, alone. The constant supply of free food is gone. She feels shame. Her husband tills the ground, which brings forth thorns and thistles. She must dress herself and her family. Do you think she may have been depressed, avoidant, ambivalent, checked out? I would have been. We Listen, we have no written record about the parenting style of Eve, but we can hazard some guesses based on the actions of Cain. This is not to say that every child who participates in aberrant behavior can blame it on mom. Yeah, let's not go there. Cain was stuck in one of Dreyker's mistaken goals. For some reason, Abel was securely attached, and Cain decided he shouldn't even try. I've said this before, This is a quote from Deborah Gray, Nurturing Adoptions. The brain is experience expectant. That is, it is hardwired to expect certain signals such as eye contact, kind touch, rocking, loving voice tones, playful interactions, and assistance from others during sickness or distress. When Eve said, I have gotten a man. I don't read a whole lot of excitement there. Do you? I could be wrong, but I picture her being detached herself. It definitely doesn't sound like secure attachment. So if you're there, you're depressed, and maybe you're suffering from financial difficulty, been there, done that. I've talked about that on the podcast before, how we went through our own Job syndrome and there was, there was lack around Christmas time, and it was difficult. 
and we had bills to pay that we couldn't pay. We couldn't buy Christmas gifts. So all of those things I just described about Eve, maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're struggling right now. Or maybe you are struggling with depression and anxiety and the holidays are difficult for you to begin with and you're trying to put on a good face for your children. I hear you. I know. Been there. It's difficult. But I want to say to you today to be kind to yourself and to be kind to your children and simply be present with them. And I know, I remember, I used to think that sounded ridiculous, especially when I had no means to go out and buy my kids all these presents. And somebody had told me that, well, just, you know, just be there for your children. And it's true. It really is. Making paper change with my kids, making some popcorn with them, watching some old movies, doing what we could do, doing what we could do to connect, actually connected my children and attached my children to me more than me just meeting their physical needs and their wants on Christmas. I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I feel like I really should say that because I'm talking about the holidays and because I'm talking about co-regulating with your children and making sure they attach to you during this time, it's okay to step back and simplify and say no to things. I talk a lot about that in 25 Days of Thriving Through Christmas. The tips that I give on the, in that book on a daily basis, you know, sometimes it's just step back and say no. And do the simple things. Do the homemade gifts. Make the cookies and just do that with your children to the level that you can do that. So I'm going to finish up today. And um, next week will be Dr. Jared. And then the following week, I will get into all of the attachment styles more in detail. So thanks for joining me today. I'll see you next week. Bye. Oh, I want to share some exciting news about a collaboration I'm doing with three other amazing moms to start the new year right. The Tackling Mom Stress 5-Day Challenge, delivered via email. Are you dreading the chaos of the holiday season? Are you ready for the holidays to be over already? So get ready to leave the holiday stress behind and create a better new year in just 15 minutes a day. It's time to learn how to make time for self-care, take simple steps to reset your budget, connect with your kiddos even when you're stressed, and be happy for real. We've been there. All of us moms have been there. And in just 15 minutes a day, we can help. So join the free challenge, and it's linked in the show notes. So this starts on December 26th, and it runs through Friday, December 30th, but you can sign up now. And here's what to expect. Stacy from Bold and Daring Moms will be addressing three reasons why moms struggle to make time to care for themselves and simple steps to change that. Shelly from Make Happiness Happen will share three tips to stop faking it and to be happy for real. 
Megan, Megan from Frugal Made Simple will be sharing three things you can do today to improve your budget all year. And Kathleen, yours truly, from Trauma-Informed Parenting, will be sharing three steps to keep connecting with your kiddos even when you're stressed. And you can sign up for that in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on traumainformedparenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at traumainformedparenting.com.